Hey guys, listen up. I know these days when you watch the news, it feels like it's one hit after another and it's all bad news for the economy. Well, let me give you some good news. It's not all that bad when it comes to real estate. Let me explain. You see a year ago, man, real estate was hot, hot, hot. Everybody and their brother was trying to go out and buy another house. What did that mean? It was so competitive that a lot of folks got discouraged. So let me ask you, have you thought about buying a house in the last couple of years, but maybe just couldn't win a bid. I used to hear that all the time. Well, now is the time to buy. Yes. Interest rates have creeped up a little bit, but what that's created is an opportunity for you. A year ago, it wasn't uncommon for there to be more than a dozen offers on a home, many of which were over list. That is not the case today. So if you got discouraged once before about trying to buy a new house, now's the time to take another look. Now, yes, interest rates have creeped up a little bit, but you're not going to overpay for the home, but here's what you will do. You'll stop throwing your money away on rent and now you'll get a greater tax deduction. That's right. You see, at the end of the year, you're going to get a statement from your mortgage company that shows how much interest you paid and you get to write all of that interest off. That means you could get a huge tax deduction. You never get that as a renter. Not only that, homes are still going up in value. Don't believe the hype. All of the economists believe long-term real estate always works out. Let me give you an example. Maybe way back when, in the housing collapse of 2008, you bought in 2007 and maybe overpaid. Buddy, if you hung in there, that house is worth a whole heck of a lot more now. If you've played in the stock market, you know what I'm talking about. You only lose money when you throw in the towel. Real estate long-term always performs well. So here's my advice to you. Date the rate, marry the house. Find the house that you and your family love long-term because here's what's not long-term, these higher rates. I've yet to see a single economist who doesn't agree with me that rates are going to return. So doesn't it make sense to get the house you want right now? And then when rates improve, man, just get a lower monthly payment. In the meantime, you'll enjoy a greater tax deduction and that property is going to continue to appreciate, meaning you're building equity and wealth for yourself. Not only that, how about this? We're going to save you some cash at buywithconrad.com. We're going to give you the peace of mind of a seven-year guarantee. When rates improve over the next seven years, not if, but when, that's my prediction, we'll refinance you again with no new origination points. Think about that. That could save you thousands of dollars and give you the peace of mind of knowing that you got the right house for your family right now. And then when the rates improve, man, get a lower monthly payment. Now you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but you do need to hurry to buywithconrad.com. That's the first step. You tell us how much you want to put down and what you want your monthly payment to be. We get you approved and then you go shopping just like a cash buyer at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Seriously, if you've thought about buying a house over the last couple of years, but you got discouraged, Now's the time to take another look. Let me run the numbers for you right now. You'll be glad you did at buywithconrad.com. Woo Wings, a virtual restaurant concept from the man himself, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Enjoy the legendary flavors and world championship wings by ordering with your Uber Eats or Postmates app. Woo Wings is now open in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Florida, as well as Huntsville and Tuscaloosa in Alabama, with many more locations coming soon. Try the only chicken wings worthy of carrying the name of the 16-time world heavyweight champion. Tell them, Nate. Woo Wings, legendary flavors, world championship wings. Woo! Woo Wings. Yeah. Woo-woo. 
welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She booted. Let rip. No, yeah, but there's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. It, it, it. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I ain't scared. I ain't scared to shock him. You, Bruce. Ah, Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? Just another day in paradise by God. I can tell you don't feel good today. Appreciate you soldiering on. Uh, it's a beautiful day. And yes. where am I in? I'm in Southern Connecticut. Oh, really? It's a gorgeous day here. 62. I like that you're going with Southern Connecticut. Yeah, because I dig the South. I don't like anything in the North. Yeah, since you've been back as a damn Yankee and whatnot, do you do you still like hard rolls? Yeah, I dig hard rolls. You used to make fun. I of like them hard rolls, I like bagels. Well, those are those are stale donuts. No, I know that's still your favorite uh, hillbilly Conrad story. Yes, of all time. And then when I then when we got the okay, so we I asked the guy for uh, locks and bagels. And Conrad wanted to know what, what the hell these stale donuts. And you're going to put raw fish on? It's not raw fish. It's smoked. It's lox. Either Everybody way, he loves bagels and lox, man. The idea, as a as a guy from Alabama, that you're putting fish on stale donuts was a real With head cream scratcher. Cheese. Real head scratcher. Some capers, little onion, and some tomato. I don't even think you're supposed to eat capers in Alabama. I don't think that's even allowed legally here, Conrad. Conrad, you got to open up. You got to open up and experience new things. Well, I'm looking forward to experiencing something new with you. It's taping of something to wrestle on a Sunday. Sorry. We're a little late this week. Bruce is uh, under the weather and well, overworked as usual, but we are excited to be here with you talking about cyber Sunday, 2007. It's the fourth pay-per-view in the yearly, we'll call it taboo Tuesday slash cyber Sunday concept. You know, this idea, I think, uh, first popped up in like, Oh, four, what were your thoughts of the concept back then? You know, this is way before the internet is what it is now. And social media is what it is now, et cetera, et cetera. It almost feels a little ahead of its time. What'd you think of it back then? Cutting edge. It was cutting edge and it was a way, uh, 
that you could involve the audience to choose the matches they wanted to see. Now, obviously, we could help direct that a lot of times with the choices that you're given. Uh, but also sometimes, as you, you'll see, that the choices aren't that easy to make. And while you think you're pushing them one way, they go another. So that was always fun to me. I always liked just seeing where the audience was, and especially that audience that was invested in it enough to vote online and to get involved and uh, have their voices heard. So that's always fun. We're coming off the No Mercy pay-per-view. A whole lot of stuff happened there. Our man John Cena tore his peck. He had to be stripped of the title uh, before the show. So Triple H and Randy Orton fight each other twice on the pay-per-view, with Orton winning the second match to leave the show as the new WWE champion. Beth Phoenix had defeated Candice Michelle to become the women's champion. Batista had successfully defended the world title over the great Kali in your favorite the Punjabi prison match. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Let me, uh, let's talk about Cena for a minute. When he tears his peck, man, you got your top guy going out. It does feel like WrestleMania plans may have to be adjusted a little bit. Certainly Royal rumble plans have to be adjusted a little bit. Do you look at this as an opportunity or are you pulling your hair out about all of these changes here? Well, it gets a little frustrating when it's all at the same time. When, you know, that you can take one or two things, but when there's two, three, four things all at the same time and they're all, you know, top talent or something that affects multiple storylines, it's a little difficult at times. Uh, And you're dealing with human beings, so you can't really control it. Right. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. So on Raw the next night, Cena does an interview via satellite, says he's going to be out of action for anything from 7 to 12 months. Did you always know that Cena was going to do whatever he could uh, to rush it to get back? That's John Cena. Yeah. You know, and, and there's a difference. Uh, John, in my opinion, would do it the right way. And John was one of those guys that would figure out the, the fastest route that was safe for him to do without doing any damage along the way. Some guys would rush and they would rush to the rehab so much that it would do more damage. And when they would come back, they would re injure and, and be gone out for a longer time. And I thought Cena was usually pretty smart about that. So instead of announcing what the WWE title match at cyber Sunday is going to be on TV. They promote to log in to WWE.com tomorrow at 12 noon for the announcement. Was this a renewed push for what you guys called dot com at the time? I think, you know, look, there's always going to be kind of a reintroduction, if you will. Sometimes we, we become complacent. We forget what's out there. So it's an opportunity to remind your audience to 
go to dot com and, and find out the latest news and they can get that. And then they see, oh, hey, there's other cool shit on here that you can look at. And sometimes it's just a um, a nice reminder to let people know. We um, we have Vince McMahon have the all uh, the or at least all of the male guys come out and shake the new WWE champions hand. Of course, we're congratulating Randy Orton here. Triple H then demands his automatic rematch for the title, but instead Vince gives triple H a handicap match versus Orton and Umaga. Of course, triple H wins it by DQ. He's brutally double teamed and Vince tells Hunter, he's going to be the first to shake Orton's hand later. And then when triple H doesn't appear at the end of the show, Orton goes to find him, but he's met with a super kick from a returning Shawn Michaels on the ramp. And this is a surprise return of Shawn Michaels. He'd been away for five months due to a knee surgery. Uh, but in storyline, it was Orton who had put Michaels out of action. Meltzer would say with no triple H selling an injury or Cena, you see the entire roster together. It looks so pathetic. You can blame it on them now paying the price of cutting the legs off of everyone before they get a chance to get over. Although they have a lot of guys who don't even have the potential to be over to any real degree in 2007. It hits you right between the eyes that Hardy, Kennedy, Carlito, and Umaga are it on the entire roster. And Carlito is at a level way below his potential. So let's just time out right there for a minute, because it's rare that we get to see the whole roster on a segment like this, or at least all the guys. But this was an era where there were some fans who started to grow a little apathetic with too much triple H or too much John Cena or too much this or too much that, but that is probably how you made stars. But at the same time, I guess, you know, wrestling fans are always going to be thirsty and hungry for new. Take yourself back 15 years. Do you remember feeling like you were having trouble creating stars or no? I think I always feel like that. Yeah. I think there's there's a part of you that no matter how many stars you may and or may not have, that you never have enough. So it, it's funny that the the same people, you know, Meltzer would probably say, oh, there's too much uh, Cena, there's too much Triple H, there's too much Sean, there's too much this. But when they go away, it's, oh, boy, they, they certainly need <laughs> Triple H, Cena, Sean, and all these guys. And it's, again, it's a double-edged sword. In order to build stars, you've got to put stars on TV and build them, and they have to go over someone, and you have to make someone. Uh, everybody can't be a star. You badly need Sean back here. It really is a shot in the arm to the roster. Um, in 07, did you think, how much time did you think you had with Sean left? Like Sean is a guy who, when he left in 98, a lot of people thought wouldn't come back. And then when he does come back in 02, I mean, here we are five years later, he's still doing it. When he came back in 02 as a fan, I kind of thought, well, we might get a year or two out of this, but there are five years in now. Was that surprising to you? No, it wasn't. It wasn't surprising to me at all because of Sean. And I think that Sean was and is one of those talent that given the opportunity to shine, he's always going to shine through. Even, you know, even bringing back Sean in in spurts was was great shit. 
But I, I thought that to me, I thought Sean had another 10 years in him it, right. when he came back originally easily. So, you know, now I'm going, you know, he's, he still has a few years left, like really good top years. And then, you know, Sean would tell you, Sean was again, one of those guys that never, ever wanted to come back and not be exactly what he was when he was 30 years old. Well, there's lots of, um, I don't know if we want to call it comedy in this era as well. Uh, Regal's going to put, uh, Jonathan coachman in charge of looking after Hornswoggle. He's gone missing coach spends the whole show looking for him. Luckily for coach, when Vince turns up looking for the whereabouts of his illegitimate son, he was napping in a crate the whole time. Hornswoggle then beats up coach with the walking cane that coach had. Vince just loves this type of slapstick stuff. Does he not? Well, what was slapstick? Well, you got a little person sleeping in a crate. Well, where the fuck are they supposed to sleep? Conrad, you got something against crates? Nope. All right. then. You got something against little people? No, absolutely not. Okay. I think I just wanted him to be comfortable. All right. Did I tell the story about Hornswoggle and the time that we were shooting, uh, a pre-tape with Teddy Long, and he was uh, supposed to be inebriated, you've, and you've, we had the Guinness. You've told me in real life, I don't think it's ever aired. So I did not realize that Hornswoggle was underage at the time. He was like 19, maybe 20, but he wasn't 21. And I had to keep putting him in a, in a bathroom because that's where he was entering from to make it look like a door in an office. And, and we had uh, these four packs of Guinness so that every time that he came out, it looked like he was drinking a Guinness. Well, he's doing it, and he keeps screwing up, keeps screwing up. We keep doing it over and over and over and over again. And then I realized, man, he's he's hammered. Yes. And I go in, and, I, and I'm like, Dylan, have you been drinking in there? Uh, no, sir. Dylan, tell me the truth. And I walk in the bathroom and I look in the, the four packs and they're all empties. So he's had like, I think five, maybe of the nice Guinnesses and stuff in a can. And he doesn't drink at this point. Right. And oh my God. And he was and all he asked and he was, please just don't tell the undertaker. Oh God. That's the last thing you should have said to your ass. You what? Just, because you, I know you, you marched right in there. Uh, Mark? No, I didn't have to take her came in. Oh God. And I said, tell him Dylan. <laughs> oh yeah. It was great. <laughs> but yeah, little fella couldn't drink much. So, I mean, what, did, what does he get taken? Uh, little wrestlers court. Oh no, 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 no. Much worse. Oh, it's like, you know, how you, what, what's, what do you fear more? Your dad finding out or when oh, your dad God. finds out and he's just disappointed. In I you. knew you were going to say disappointed. And it was like, there was no pun. It's like, there was no punishment because Dylan was ready to be punished. He yeah. knew he'd done wrong. And instead Taker just shook his head and dis- utter disappointment and shame. And so then you get all the conspiracy theories going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what goes good with, uh, with turning those frowns upside down. Hard wieners, Bruce. The nights are getting longer, but the breeze isn't the only thing that's getting stiff. You know, the deal. This episode sponsored by blue chew guys can take the confidence can take you far in life. Sometimes you can bullshit your way into a WWE job more about that some other time, but that's especially true in the bedroom. You know, when it's time to uh, step up to the plate and that's where blue chew comes in. You might even call it a hot tag for your wiener. Blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. You can take these dudes anytime day or night. So plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. Hey, Conrad. Yeah. Can we do something for our listeners only? Sure. With blue chew. I'm for it. What do you got in mind? I don't know. Maybe give them some free. Got any ideas about that? Well, let's not jump the gun here. All right. Cause here's the well, best part of this. I tell you sometimes with hard wiener, you can jump the gun. We're hoping to make it last a little longer, not oh. the commercial, but your wiener just hang tight. It's all done online. Boys and girls, no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA. They prepare to ship directly to your door. It comes in a discreet package. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. Have some better sex y'all. And here's that special deal. Bruce was teasing. What if you could try it free? That's right. Try blue chew free. When you use our promo code, you want to guess what the code is, Bruce? W R E S T L E. That'd be Russell at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is Russell to receive your R E S T L E. You'll receive your first month for free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank blue chew for sponsoring the podcast. Bruce, let's give something real special to our audience. Are you, why don't we go ahead and submit your before and after blue chew pictures and let people That's take a look. What are, you, what are you saying? Even with my new camera, I wouldn't do that to you. Okay. So plant, uh, Santino, your boy, he's doing a, a silly song here talking about how uh, bad Steve Austin and his movie, the condemned were, of course, this was just released on DVD. Uh, we don't talk about Santino much here on the show, but boy, he, um, he had a role and I thought he did it well on the program. what did you think of working with Santino? I enjoyed the hell out of working with Santino. He got it. He had fun with it. And, um, you know, there, there's something about being a, a character like Santino that you can pull it off because he was very confident in his own abilities and was a legit tough guy and, um, a wonderful guy as well. So I thought that he played Santino tremendously. Santino Morella. Let's talk about, uh, the condemned, uh, Joel Simon has going to be, uh, well, he's out of here. You know why he's no longer the president of WWE films. He's going to be replaced by Michael Lake. Meltzer would report that Michael Lake had a new two-year contract that goes into effect this past week. And, uh, I guess based on the, the way the condemned may be bombed, that's how Lake gets this opportunity. What was the real reason? You know, why Joel Simon is adios. Well, cause Michael, Hey, made money for this company. Hey, mm. you know what the fuck old Joel did? 
Joel's oh. a fucking nice guy though. Was that the guy that Michael Hayes said that to? Yes. I love that. We have finished it out now. Uh, Joel Simon apparently is, uh, the guy who, but a hell of a guy brings the condemned out. It bombs in theaters. Apparently the top people in the movie division who are all based in Los Angeles are flown to Stanford to explain to Vince in person. Why the hell this movie bombed and nobody was allowed to say that part of the reason is Vince rewrote much of the script on the flies. He does with raw. That's according to Dave Meltzer. So the general feeling is Simon had to go and that perhaps Lake made it happen. Now Lake has been in the biz 36 years. He was involved in the production of movies like Miss Congeniality, Oceans 11 and Oceans 12. So he's the new guy. Do you ever spend any time with Michael Lake? No, don't even remember meeting him. Okay. Uh, on the DVD, I thought the condemned, I thought that the condemned was the best movie that we had made up until that point. I didn't hate it. I do want to compare it to the Marine though, because on the DVD release of the condemned stone cold, he's talking about the movie. And he, he mentions here that the Marine was actually written for him. It was. And that Cena only got the part because he turned it down. And if he knew then what he, what he knew now, boy, he'd have done the Marine. Um, did you ever have a conversation with Austin about, man, maybe his picker was broke on that one. Well, yeah, but see, I think that part of the, part of the problem was, was that the condemned rating was R. I see. And so you alienate uh, a lot of our audience at that point with Steve, but to me, Steve was an R rated kind of guy anyway. Yes. I don't know how you could have done the condemned with a PG rating, but I thought Steve would have been great in the Marine too, but I loved, I just like the, um, uh, I like the concept of the condemned. Uh, like the movie. I liked everything about it. Do you know, um, what the latest WWE films release was? What, when now? Yeah. Now when? WWE studios no or whatever it's called. Like I know there was, I mean, there, there were a handful of decent movies made over the years that yeah, I, I didn't hate. Um, but I'm saying, well, let me put, let me, let me put it to you like this, uh, starring our guys. And at that time, uh, you know, looking for another vehicle for Steve, I thought that was a great movie for him to be introduced. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I did the I did the world premiere for it. I did the big premiere for it in Detroit. That was a lot of fun, and um, it was uh, I, again it was my favorite of those movies of that genre at that time. Fifteen years ago on SmackDown, we would see the debut of a fellow you may have heard of, Drew McIntyre. He has Dave Taylor by his side. He defeats Brett major, who of course is Zach Ryder slash Matt Cardona and McIntyre's entrance video had the name drew Galloway on it, showing the McIntyre name was maybe a last minute change. Was this the way things were done creatively back then? Or what can you tell us about? Was he Galloway? Was he McIntyre? Because it feels like when he debuts, maybe everybody's not on the same page. Well, he was Galloway when he was in OVW. I see. So I think that's where the mix up came. And then when he came up onto the main roster, he became McIntyre McIntyre, eh? you know, a Scottish fella. Uh, the, the, of course the joke these days or the discussion these days is back then, 
uh, Drew was Vince's chosen one. He had really high hopes for him. Uh, thought he was going to be a, a huge star. We're going to eventually get there. I mean, no arguing. He's a big damn deal now. Um, was that added pressure on a young guy coming in like that? And, and the company being so high on him, it feels like that's a lot of pressure for a young dude. That's a lot of pressure for anybody, but imagine being whatever he was, 19 years old, 20 years old, whatever it was at the time coming to a new country, Yeah, coming into the United States, his first exposure in the United States is Louisville, Kentucky. And in a matter of a few weeks, you're brought up to the main roster and you're, you're starting to see the world. And it's a huge, just culture shock that drew had to deal with. And then the, the whispers of, Oh, Hey man, you know, they, they see everything for you. You know, you've got the world by the balls. Don't screw this up. Oh man. So yeah, it was a lot of pressure on drew and, and, um, I don't know that anybody at that age can handle that much pressure. It takes an awful lot out of somebody. That's for sure. The main event is a rematch from no mercy with uh, Finley versus Rey Mysterio. And the winner is supposed to be the number one contender to face Batista at cyber Sunday. JBL also announces that the fans can vote for the guest referee is either himself, Mick Foley or Steve Austin. Batista's on commentary for the match, but it goes to a double DQ finish. The lights go out and then Taker is standing there when they come back on staring down Batista. It's time to get Taker back into the main event mix with Dave. Huh? I mean, if Cena's out, we're looking for some more star power. Here comes Taker. That's cause he's big, evil, scary star power. I'm, I'm a scared of him, but undertaker, you know, was somebody that you didn't need to use. 12 months out of the year. And here was an opportunity. As you say, we, we needed star power fast. And anytime you could plug undertaker, he was like, but this way, he was easy to plug in anytime into a top program because he was the top guy. We, uh, we go over across the pond to Europe for a nine day tour, which is including doing all the TV in Birmingham, England that week. Do you remember enjoying doing those trips for TV? Did you prefer the UK tours when there was no TV or did you have a preference? I, to me, it was just another TV. Um, when we would go overseas and you would do two days of taping, it was just, it was just another, another taping. So there wasn't really that much. There wasn't that much different. There's not other than the, the bathrooms are a little different and the food sucks. Um, not that much different between here and the UK. Do you uh, remember any fun travel stories from the UK? Because sometimes we hear that, well, boys will be boys when they're in these traveling caravans. I just know that in the United Kingdom that I was able to defeat Jerry Briscoe and take Jerry Briscoe down for two points in the hotel lobby. And, and it may actually have been in Birmingham. Yep, sure did. And you know, he's going to hear what you're saying right now. I have, he knows he's well aware of it. He knows that I took him down in, in the United Kingdom. I also scored two points on him in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Internationally. I've done very well against Mr. Briscoe domestically. Internationally. I have defeated Mr. Briscoe dose. That's that's two for those of you that are not, uh, bilingual. 
bilingual. But domestic. Are you bi? I, I'm not, but I want to be. Oh. Okay. Uh, there's a concern over the ECW brand and maybe your health since you've come on here and besmirched the good goddamn name of Jerry Briscoe. I am besmirched name. I just merely pointed out a factual, two factual confrontations in which I was uh, victorious of scoring points. I don't know if I'd be saying that again, if I were you. What yeah. did I, did I score two points on Jerry Briscoe by taking him down in UK in a hotel lobby? I feel like every time you say it, it's another lump on your head coming your way. I ain't scared. Okay. All right. You know, eventually they're going to bring him to TV to film some shit and you're not going to know about it. And he's going to sneak up on you and the shit's on. Oh, I'll know about it. Well, not, not if it's take not, that TV off. I love you for that. So it's not to embarrass him. Oh, really? Really? Okay. Really? That's right. Yeah, it's getting deep over here. Let me roll my, my pant legs up. Why don't you ask Eric Bischoff about saying disparaging things about Gerald Briscoe and let him tell you a story about when Jerry Briscoe turned 60 years old. Tap like you mean it. Yeah. Yeah. Pussy. Uh, so the future of ECW is very much in question. Uh, Meltzer, Meltzer would say that and then say with one step being the announcement on October 16th, from a storyline standpoint that Vicky Guerrero and Armando Estrada, the figureheads for each group are negotiating a deal that would allow talent from each brand to appear on the other show. The sci-fi network has not agreed to a new contract for the show, which has fallen in the ratings to a 1.2 level in recent weeks. The current deal expires at the end of the year. Vince McMahon in the inner circle made the call to use SmackDown talent on ECW in a way to uh, attempt to boost those ratings on October 14th on the way to UK television. The first move was using Kane as CM Punk's mystery partner in a match against Big Daddy V and John Morrison in the Miz in the main event for the October 16th show in Birmingham, England. Um, if it wasn't for the sci-fi network, ECW should have been put out of its misery. Shouldn't it? I mean, this is not, this is not good stuff. Yeah. I, I, come on. I was going to anger everybody. I don't think that we ever should have relaunched it, relaunched it. No, we agree. I think hindsight yeah. being what it is, fuck it. Let it die. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that the, uh, the one night only's and things like that. Great. You know, do, do that. Maybe one, do one of those, I think was, you know, a pretty good idea and pretty cool, but I just don't think that we ever should have relaunched the brand. Next up, we should be talking about some other news and notes here. Um, it's oh seven, such an interesting time to me. We're in England. There's going to be numerous changes made to the cyber Sunday card. The four way for the SmackDown title. Is now changed to a singles match. It's Taker versus Batista, with Mysterio and Finley being set for a singles match, while Great Kali and Mark Henry, at times in the title match, are both completely off the card now. Clearly, it's a better match than New Way. Um, and Meltzer would say to me, it weakens Austin's return on pay per view if he's only one of the three choices. And on Raw, they did everything they could to try to make sure Jeff Hardy doesn't get voted in ahead of Shawn Michaels in this title match versus Orton. First, they had Orton pin Hardy in a match and later Michaels wrestled Orton and had him just about beat when Kennedy interfered. Hardy came in for the save, but Orton dispatched like he was nothing. 
and Michaels had to clean house on both hills by himself, laying Orton out with the sweet chin music. So I understand the concept is these cyber Sundays, boy, this is real legitimate voting. We're not working it. Like we do so many other times in wrestling. This is, this is what we're doing, but it does feel like when you book it like this, uh, let me make sure you guys know what you're supposed to be voting for because well, we think this would be better for our program. Are you trying to influence the audience a little bit? Nothing wrong with that. feels like we're trying to push them in a certain direction without a doubt. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, you know, they've, they've shocked us, <laughs> they've oh, yeah. shocked us uh, many times before. So it doesn't always work. And you know, that's the interesting thing about these. Um, on the, the raw from the UK, Vince and Regal have a discussion about Umaga and then Vince has Umaga destroy a UK wrestler named Andy Simmons, uh, in the three possible choices for the Umaga triple H match at cyber Sunday. Meltzer had this recap. Simmons acted like he was scared to death and acted like a pussy. When he was asked if he was scared, Umaga threw him over the announcer's table. Vince got a kick out of Simmons, nearly wiping out Jr. What a weird relationship. Umaga uses the Samoan drop on a chair in a minute and a half. And then Vince orders a first blood match. Umaga destroyed him and used 10 Samoan spikes and Simmons bit the condom. So he's bleeding badly from the mouth and it stopped at a minute and 22 seconds. Vince says that's not enough and orders Simmons, who at this point was being helped out to be thrown back in the ring and had the cage lowered. Umaga then destroyed him some more with Vince calling Simmons triple H before Vince told Umaga to walk out the door and win in a minute and 26 seconds, big time, old school squash, super over. I mean, this is what you used to do back in the day. I like this. Well, you said Simmons acted like he was scared. Well, of course he was. If you were standing across from Umaga, everybody would trust me. You ain't acting scared. It's a scary man. How many, um, how many blood filled wink, wink condoms do you think we've used in WWE over the years? We don't do that ever. Uh, I don't, I don't know that we've ever done that WWE. Well, I mean, how does he do the blood from the mouth? There is some magic to it. Bleeding. We're not Matt. hoping for internal. Come on, man. Oh my God. The internal, the, 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 the site. Oh my God. You know, here, here's what's, what's really, you know, crazy is people used to, you know, used to do things where they would put blood in a condom and, and bite it and things like that. It's funny. Bill Watts of, of all people, <laughs> he got spiked by Freebird Terry Gordy and he forgot it. And Ken Mantell had to had to run down and uh, hover over Bill to put it in Bill's mouth because Bill had forgotten in, in this big angle that they were doing with Freebirds. Phrasing, but uh, yeah, it's uh, crazy things that have been done in the history of this business. There's some other nonsense backstage here again with Hornswoggle and Coachman. First, there's a backstage segment with Carlito and Coach, in which Carlito is laughing about Hornswoggle attacking Coach the week before. Moments later, Hornswoggle sneaks up behind Coach and then runs off with Coach following. And after a commercial break, Coach chases Hornswoggle into catering, with Hornswoggle jumping on him and then running off again. 
And later coach was chasing Hornswoggle on bicycles past Ron Simmons with Ron Simmons saying, damn, damn. Then there's a backstage segment where coach chases Hornswoggle into the divas <laughs> locker room. Hornswoggle's going to leave with a bra on his head. Coachman's going to get kicked out. And finally coach chases Hornswoggle to the ring and coach tries to use a detonating device to blow Hornswoggle up underneath the ring. This is real. And coachman goes under the ring after realizing the wiring wasn't working. Hornswoggle climbs into the ring and sets off the explosion under the ring. And moments later, coachman emerges through a cloud of smoke. Like he's Wiley coyote. Wait, like he was Wiley coyote. I'm pretty sure he was Wiley coyote. Name isn't wild E coyote. It's Wiley coyote. I'm aware. Uh, help me understand. What are we doing? <laughs> Why are well, we doing see, it? Okay. Well, you see that when coach hit the mechanism, it was, it didn't work. Bruce had, had already disabled it. So then when coach went down there, to I see got what that was wrong. And he, he enabled the, the wiring was Paul, had already got the detonator and went was go boom was, and it goes boom. Thank you for that. Was, was Paul Bosch rolling over in his grave at this point? Paul would have loved this. No, he wouldn't. My God, just the just the mention of Wee Willie Wilson back in the day was a sellout, and listen, that's all Wee Willie did. Listen to you. It's true. You didn't like this. Oh, I love this. Oh man, this is entertaining shit. Yeah, I'm glad I wasn't watching. And you know what? And and here and here's the other thing that really upset Paul. Is that when we Willie Wilson, as he got older, he wasn't as cute as he used to be yeah. when he was younger, yeah. shaved his head and grew a beard and became Ivan the Terrible. And that upset Paul. Because we Willie was so entertaining. And you know a little bit about we Willie, am I right? Oh, yeah. Come on. You, you know. Gonna, you going to tell us? No. Well, you know what we got to do. What do we got to do? You tell me. Michael Myers sure is scary. But the last thing you need is to be hairy this Halloween. Luckily, our friends at Manscaped launched their fourth generation performance package to make sure your pumpkins get the ultimate carving experience on this spooky day. Turn your bite-sized treat into a king-sized candy and join the six million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. By going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code STW. Make the right call this spooky season. It's trick or trim. Have you ever tried to trim your balls and turned it into a Freddy Krueger film? Well, luckily manscaped is here to save the day and make sure you're feeling the best in your costume. Unlock your confidence with the performance package 4.0 inside. You'll find the Holy grail of men's grooming items. It's a full moon out boys and the werewolf in your pants. He's a howling. Let's tackle that problem with the lawnmower 4.0. They're finely tuned pube products feature a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The lawnmower 4.0 is easily the greatest ball hair trimmer on the planet. And did I mention this motherfucker's waterproof too? That's right. It's a shower essential. Be like Bruce. Shave your balls in a hot tub. You can do it. The performance package 4.0 includes a weed whacker, total game changer for your hygiene arsenal. 
The Weed Whacker is the ultimate nose and ear hair trimmer. It too has proprietary skin safe technology. It's going to prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in your delicate little holes. And how about the liquid formulations from Manscaped? Tony Schiavone is world renowned for having the stinkiest balls in all of wrestling. Not anymore. Nay, nay. Crop preserver has resurrected his career. And now even Eric Bischoff's taking note. He started using the crop reviver ball toner. He doesn't want his pumpkins in the water. Your balls will thank you boys and girls. Check out the new body buffer. It's a 100% antibacterial body scrubber. It's just what you need to keep your dirty ass gimmicks fresh and clean this Halloween. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts in their performance package 4.0, the Manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. And if you're looking like Wolverine because you haven't cut your nails recently, be sure to check out the Shears 2.0 nail kit. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code STW at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code STW at manscaped.com. Say trick or treat to your beautiful new Halloweeny with Manscaped. There we go. All that from Wee Willie. Yes. Ivan the Terrible. Well, that may be what your Willie looks like right now, but it could be a king size Willie. Well, speaking of that, yeah, here's a big old Willie. Uh, Pierre Carl Ulet does a dark match on October 16th, losing to Tommy dreamer. And we should mention he had quit his job as the French commentator for TNA and trying out for WWE. This is years before maybe gosh, a decade before he started to gain some traction on the independence and well, PCO in 07. What could have been man, a miracle. Why didn't you guys give him a, a, another run here in 07? I'm for it. Okay. I mean, listen, we got, you telling me he couldn't have done Wiley Cody bullshit. He could have. Well, I mean, just saying. Booker T and Charmel are released on October 17th. Meltzer had this to say the decision was theirs and they've been contemplating leaving since July. It was largely expedited since his suspension the last week of August. And this goes along with the reps telling indie promoters a few weeks back who were interested in to quote unquote, wait 30 days. It's been confirmed. Booker never signed the new contract. He was negotiating with John Laurinaitis and there is no non-compete clause from that date. So he's free and clear to wrestle anywhere on October 28th. It isn't known whether he's headed to TNA, but it would make a logical addition for them. And in recent months, when WWE refused to allow him to use their talent on his PWA shows in Pasadena, Texas, he had switched to using TNA talent, both on his house shows and also guests on his radio show in the market, which seemed pretty significant at the time. Why was it time for Booker to take a break here? I think that Booker was just looking for a change of scenery and, you know, book was in a place where he had had a hell of a run yeah, and just want, you know, wanted something different. He had started up his school and local promotion in Houston and really wanted to have more time to do that. And it wasn't something that, you know, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a bad release or anything like that. It was just that no hard know, feelings. It was just time. Yeah, it was just time. I think Book wanted to do to do more of the training aspect of things and and 
WWE at the time didn't want to do that. So he says, okay, you know what? I'll just let my contract expire and I'll go do my own thing. You know, once upon a time back in the territory days, that was pretty common, right? I mean, you, you're here for a run and then it's time to go do something else for a little bit and you can always come back, but that kind of feels like what Booker was doing here. Fair to say. Yeah, definitely was. And, and I don't even know if he had designs on coming back. He just wanted to do his own thing at that time. And as JR said, sometimes it's a good way for it. Sometimes it is good for people to go away and learn a new hope. And, uh, what was your old thing? How can I miss you? If you never leave, there you go. So Piper is now back on the persona non grata list. According to Dave Meltzer. The reason he was pulled from cyber Sunday is Vince got word that he was at the GI Joe convention last weekend. And when asked about if he was doing anything, he brought up, he Austin or Foley would be voted for the guest referee of a match with Kali. And Vince was mad that Piper said it publicly and it was out on the internet. In fact, as you can tell, they're now changing things hourly. So Vince ordered JBL and Piper spot and told the creative team to not come up with any ideas in the future for Piper. The punchline out of all this is WWE's own advertising on cable hit in some markets. And it originally listed the planned Batista versus Kali versus Henry versus undertaker for the four way for the title with fans voting on those three as referee before Piper ever even revealed it at the convention. So the company itself revealed more details than Piper did. So Meltzer's trying to I know this is going to be really hard to believe. Okay. But, um, the report there is just not true. Okay. That's not why Piper was, was gone. There it was, a, it was a dispute and it wasn't over that. What was it over? Stretch of the imagination. Set the record straight. What was it over? A lot of things. Oh, come on. But, now. I mean, no, I, I don't want to answer that. No, I'm <laughs> I mean, no, it was, what was it always over? Money. It was always over. It was always over money. Yeah. yeah, it was over money, and you know the WrestleMania payoffs. This was, it, it was all in, in in the same time frame and everything, and it was, you know, the, the normal kind of cycle with Vince and Roddy that after so long that you know they would eventually come to dispute, but the dispute was over money, and there was this is just something that somebody sitting in their basement came up with, and well, well, hang- this must be what it is. Well, hang tight now. I think, I think he was in contact with Piper because Piper wasn't even on WrestleMania that year. I'm not questioning whether or not the falling out. No, was I, and, money. And I, I just said it was over money and it was yes. over in general money. I got you, which is what it always was. So let's talk about your boy, uh, Teddy Hart quote. He didn't get along with a lot of developmental wrestlers who feel he came across with a sense of entitlement because he's a Hart family member. And he acted like he was above developmental and for talent. No question. He is when Florida championship wrestling started running the Tuesday night shows at the bourbon street nightclub in Newport, Richie, all the talent was told to dress business casual Hart showed up late, which had been his MO and was wearing a hologram vest with no shirt and hologram pants with sparkling gel in his hair to stand out in the crowd. Granted, you could argue he's trying to live his gimmick and wrestling is about being different and standing out. But in developmental, they're there to build the basics. There's no way in WWE you can survive by not listening to your teachers. And at the end of the first show, there was a beatdown of Harry Smith. 
and the next generation heart foundation was supposed to make the save Hart was at the gorilla position with Tom Pritchard and was given the signal to do his run in. He waited a long time after the signal before going out and instead of running to the ring to save his cousin, he walked. Pritchard got mad about that during the same segment as the heels left the ring and were outside. He did an unplanned moonsault off the top rope onto all the heels who didn't know it was coming. This came after every wrestler had been told no top rope moves on the show particularly on the outside, unless cleared by Pritchard, Steve Kern, or Steve Madison. At the end of the night, the baby faces were supposed to take down the ring, take down the ring, but he didn't help. And we'd heard similar reports in OVW where he got heat for not helping with the ring crew. A few weeks back when several people uh, on the, several of the writers were going to OVW, they gave Vince and Stephanie a negative report on him. The next week in Port Ritchie, he was 30 minutes late again. Once again, defying the dress code and during his match did a moonsault just a few days earlier in practice, Pritchard had looked him right in the face when he was telling him no top rope moves on the house shows. And when the baby faces were scheduled to take down the ring and he once again, didn't help Johnny ace fired him by letting him know that his psychology just didn't fit into WWE. So listen, this is not the first or the last time we're going to hear about Teddy Hart and the observer. And I know that this, you're not this Pritchard. This is your brother. What was your experience like with Teddy Hart in this era? Uh, in this era, I really didn't have that much interaction with Ted other than going down to FCW, um, from time to time. And he was a part of that crew, but I really didn't have a whole lot of interaction with Teddy and, you know, heard all of these things that, you know, Ted would kind of just do his own thing, didn't really listen. And I think that's kind of been his, his MO throughout his entire career. Do you think, uh, in a different time, a different place, an alternate universe, Teddy could have been a bigger star with the company, or do you think Teddy was always inclined to self-destruct? Well, definitely in a different universe, not necessarily ours. Um, you know, sometimes people are their own worst enemy. And I think that Teddy kind of, uh, subscribed to that because no matter what they're all and it always seemed to be somebody else's fault. I know you never say never, but he's 42 years old. Now, do you think there's any chance he becomes a, a, a big star in professional wrestling in or out of WWE at this point? Never say never, but I don't see it in in the realm that you're thinking of, you know, he may, he may become a, a widely known name one day, but I don't know that it'll be for his exploits in the ring. Oh, well, I hope it's not for anything else. I do too. Yeah. And here's, here's the thing, man, you know, Teddy and I have had our differences over the years, but there's something about him. He's got some charisma and magnetism about him. Doesn't he? He sure does. Yeah. He, he really does. And it's, uh, you know, he's, he's Teddy, you know, he'll, he'll drink a bottle of wine in front of you and, and tell you about how he doesn't drink anymore, but that's just Teddy. But isn't that part of the charm and part of the reason you loved Piper because Piper was kind of over the top and crazy and eccentric. Yeah. But you know what? Um, he was, 
but I, I can say in my heart that I don't believe that Roddy Piper ever lied to me. Oh, I see what you're saying. I think that Roddy would be honest with me when it was just me and Roddy. And, um, that's all I'll say about that. I, I don't think, I think that, 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 that Roddy came from a place. I think that Roddy would see things his own way and read into things that just weren't there. But at the same time, at least, at least with me, my experience, that's all I can speak to with, with Hot Rod was I, I don't believe that Roddy ever one time ever lied to me and that he always came from a came from a place of uh, him, his belief. Does that make any sense at all? Yeah. George Costanza used to say, it's not a lie if I believe it. Yeah. But I, but also I think that Roddy with some of his bullshit that he would, he would say to other people, I don't, I do, I truly don't believe that that Roddy ever, he would say that to you with a wink and a nod, maybe, or he would just tell me the truth. Okay. So talk to me a little bit about Roddy, because I wanted those two Tory, two stories to touch just because I feel like there were some similarities in this guy kind of just marches to the beat of his own drummer. Yeah, but they weren't. They're not similar because Roddy, Roddy was able to experience enormous success. Right. And, and Roddy, Roddy could rest on that. Roddy could go back and go, Oh yeah, well, you want to say I'm a, I'm an asshole. I'm trouble. I'm this, you know what? I made money. I drew money. I was a top draw. No one can deny that. No one can take that away from him. So while Roddy, you know, would go to the beat of his own drum he earned that right. I don't know that Teddy ever earned that right. Well, isn't it also just the business change? Like sometimes, you know, especially in developmental, it does feel like at times we want everyone to sort of assimilate. Your job is to not stand out, but once you're on the main roster, well, your job is kind of to stand out. Like I kind of get that where that could be mixed messaging for a young person because Roddy Piper didn't come through wrestling when you, you went and sat under the learning tree with a bunch of other guys and Hey, look alike and dress alike and blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. But Roddy did sit under the learning tree of, of a lot of guys well, and I'm did not... learn and did listen and didn't rock the boat early on in his career. Okay. Fair to say. So uh, he, he took the advice of the veterans and, and kept his mouth shut and, and sat in the corner and did his thing. But when it was his time, he stood out. So now that he's here and he's having these, uh, fallings out with Vince, and, and boy, there's been more than one. Were you, were you and him? Cause y'all are boys. Were y'all still in communication and you kind of knew if he asked, or maybe he didn't ask, you know, the insinuation, it feels like with Roddy was always just cause we're not using you now. Doesn't mean we won't ever use you again. Not sorry. We can't work together anymore, but see you down the road. See you later. Always. Yeah. So Stephanie's going to blow up before the pay-per-view regarding things that have been reported in the observer. This of course, according to the observer that happens at times when too much details of the storylines are known. But in this case, what we were told was she set off or what set her off was revealing Chris Jericho as the mystery person in the save us campaign, which is something that was hardly a scoop and the background of the idea. Maybe the detailed nature of the backstory was but that's hardly anything major compared to what gets out. 
I guess she was really invested in keeping Jericho's return a surprise. But once you give clues, people are going to start putting them together and did within hours of the first show. Her reaction was to run all of the company cell phone records of the writing team, as well as to do a forensic check of their computers or any emails. It's not the first time this has happened. They didn't find a guilty party, but did find that some of the writers were using their company cell phones to make excessive private calls and they got reamed about it. Several writers were pretty upset about it since there's so much craziness going on in a scene as injury and having to completely rewrite no mercy after Vince had signed off on the script for the show on September 28th. And all this went down the week before the show, Stephanie talked about revising the creative team member contracts to suspect easy for me to say specifically state they don't have any ownership of any ideas or concepts they come up with while at WWE. She also wanted to revise the contracts to say they aren't allowed to claim publicly that anything that happened was their specific idea, even if they're no longer with the company. She wanted the contracts to ban them from being able to talk publicly after they're no longer with the company about their experience with the company or talk about their impressions of talent or anyone they met in the company. The attempt is to legally keep the writers from doing any books, interviews, or radio talking about their time at WWE after their tenure is over. The talk was that all the new writing contracts, including those currently under contract would be asked to sign them. And they would also have a one year non-compete. The idea is that someone on the team could go to TNA after being fired and jump them on storylines because they'd have an idea of where things were going. Boy, Meltzer sure does have a lot of details here. I know you're going to poke holes in it and say none of it was real anyway. But somebody's feeding them some stuff. What do you remember about this circumstance and Stephanie's position at the time? Well, first of all, it's one beautiful thing about uh, living in Texas at the time and not being in the office all the time. So I wasn't subjected to any of this if indeed any of it actually happened. I will say that uh, we didn't have contracts. Right. Nobody had contracts. We're employees. So. All of the all of that contract stuff. I don't know where he where he gets any of that or anything else. But the the writers on the writing team were employees at will. Maybe he was saying that she wanted them to have contracts with this language, but as far as you know, that never happened. No. Yeah. Do you remember there being a time in particular when Stephanie or Vince or anybody in particular was really upset that something got out? Oh, I I think that there have definitely been times where we've been upset over things getting out. Um, Because whether it's, you know, a talent or a writer or somebody in the office that overhears something, I just feel that that's, again, you know, it's a business. What we do is it's business. It's if Coke has one of their campaigns that gets out ahead of time and Pepsi scoops it and does something similar or beats them to the punch. Those are things you don't want to have happen in business. It's, it's just simple business, good business. Right. And keep things tight. And don't go sing and tell somebody that, you know, is that is, has nothing to do with the business that is just writing things to hurt the business. I, I just have never, ever understood that. 
Well, I don't really understand why we want to give spoilers either, but it is interesting to hear the company trying to chase them and, and trying to look at computers and cell phone records and all that. And, and I don't know that any of that happened either. I was never, I, I never was, uh, talked to about my cell phone usage in any way, shape or form. Do you remember there ever being a person in the company that you guys identified very quickly? Well, this guy's a leak and him, just him, he or her being ran out of town fairly quickly. Um, I think that there's always suspicion, you know, on some people, and I don't know that anything has ever been proven one way or another. And unfortunately, I think that would be kind of hard to prove. Yeah. So crystal Marshall is released. Also would say originally they were going to do a storyline revealing Guerrero and Marshall were going to be shown that they worked together in the Teddy long deal, knowing he had a heart condition. So Vicky could become general manager. Somehow it'll show how heartless she was. Vicky would then fire crystal anyway, 90, like 90% of the long-term plans that's out the window. Apparently Vince had talked dating back as far as August about not sending her to raw as promised and doing the wedding angle in progress. And that would be it. She had heat because it was said she had gone to writers to say that Teddy long and Vicky Guerrero weren't happy with the direction. The angle was going both then claimed they had no problem, which made people feel Marshall was making it up. The other was when she wrestled on the road, she didn't sell enough. And after she'd get pinned, she'd get up and wave and shake hands with the fans on the way to the back. Talk to me about crystal Marshall. We've never spent any time really talking about her. Well, I, hey, first of all, I enjoyed the hell out of Crystal. I like Crystal a lot. I think that once Crystal got into a position, you know, into the storyline, um, and things got into her personal life where it's like, okay, she's in a romantic relationship on the TV show with Teddy Long, that that balancing that with her personal life, um, I don't know that she she really liked that too much. So wasn't really into it as much as I think that she could have been. And I think she was getting just, I think she was getting tired of, of doing this more than anything. That's my opinion. At the time, I think she's in a relationship with Bobby Lashley in real life. How challenging is it from a, a company standpoint? to release one when you're still keeping the other, or is that a slippery slope HR wise or not so much? Uh, you know, it's, it's see now that that has nothing to do with HR there because now you are in the contracts, but you know, it's, it's professional. It's, it's business. Sometimes, you know, things just don't work out for one work out for the other. Let's talk about Candace Michelle. She's injured on the October 22nd show in Omaha. She gets her foot tangled in the ropes. It appears she's uh, supposed to lose her balance when Phoenix falls into the ropes and take a bump off the top into the ring. She lands on her shoulder and neck and ends up with a cracked clavicle. She's going to be out for six to eight weeks. Um, the ref tells Phoenix to pin her Phoenix drag her, drags her to the middle of the ring by her hair. And Meltzer said it made me think it was an angle because if she was hurt that bad, you wouldn't want to drag her. She's pinned and the doctors and trainers are out there in seconds. They tried to make her sit up, which again, I thought because of the possibility of a neck injury would be the last thing you would do. They tried to get her to drink water, but it slobbered out of her mouth and she looked glassy eyed. They ended up taking her out on a stretcher and rushing her to the hospital. 
to me, the referee should have ruled once he knew how hurt she might be to just call off the match. Now, this is something that is an ever evolving process. Uh, I think WWE has figured this out and does this maybe better than anybody. Was this a teachable moment for all involved? Are you in gorilla for this and going nuts? Yeah. Or what do you remember about this? I, I, I don't remember a whole lot about it, but anything like that is absolutely a teaching moment. And it's something that, you know, you grow and you learn and you don't make that mistake again. Yeah. So, you know, unfortunately in a business where, uh, you take incredible looking moves and maneuvers that look like you should be dead. Right. And, go over and yeah, I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> that that's usually, I think most performers instinct reaction. No, I'm good. Uh, or if you know, I'm hurt. Okay. Well, you know, how hurt are they? Are they hurt or are they injured? And those are two different things, but it's, it's definitely a situation that you learn from and to, you don't want to take any unnecessary risk whatsoever to try to expand on what you're saying. Hurt meaning it's a bump, it's a bruise, we're okay. Injured is, hey, I can't disrupt some dirt on this one. I, I got to go right. look after something, right? Right. So let's talk about our boy, Harry Smith. Uh, this is the go home raw for the pay-per-view, and he's going to debut. He beats Carlito in three minutes and 42 seconds as D.H. Smith. Uh, Meltzer would say he made his raw debut and got a nice hand when he when it was mentioned he was the son of Davey Boy Smith. On the good side, Smith wrestled really well and he did get over on the bad side. He was thrown out there with no buildup, no story and no character development. I guess they don't like Harry, but DH sounds even worse. Plus they say he's honoring his dad, but they don't say what DH stands for. This is interesting because once upon a time when you would debut a character like this, boy, we would just have weeks of buildup and he's just sort of thrown out there. Do you think? The Teddy Hart shenanigans, any of that affected him at all? I think it might have affected, you know, thinking about bringing them in as a team. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, no, I just think that, you know, timing and and not a proper buildup. Not really, you know, matching the hype. This is a guy who, you know, I've thought for a long time, man, he just looks like a WWE guy. And I know he recently had a run with the company and we don't talk about current stuff, but by and large, he's been around for a while now. I mean, we're talking about a show from 15 years ago when he made his debut. Why don't you think he was a bigger hit with w the WWE office, the WWE staff? I just think some people connect and some people don't. I don't know that he ever really connected. Connected with the audience or connected? The audience. Yeah. Okay but you don't think it was a lack of reps. He just, just didn't work. I, again, it, it just, it simply comes back to some have it and some don't some connect and some don't that, that you can't put your finger on. Oh, this is the reason. Right. And the, they can be, they can do every move in the world. You and I they were can look like a brick shit house, but you know what? For whatever reason, not enough people want to put their money down to come see him. I want to add some context because if we're not careful, uh, what you could just said there could be misconstrued, I think, but you and I had a conversation off air once upon a time about a totally unrelated issue, but about how in athletics these days, whether it's the NFL or NBA, or maybe even at a collegiate level, 
boy, there's just different levels to it. And sometimes, you know, doing all the work and being on time and, and, and having a good look and having a good attitude. Hey, those will get you a spot on the team, but maybe, maybe it doesn't mean you're going to be the, the star quarterback. There can only be one of those. And unfortunately, sometimes there's a Kurt angle hanging around. Who's just a natural and he's a freak and you can't really explain why or how he just kind of is right. Exactly. And you can do the same, you know, you, you may be doing 50 pounds more on the bench press right? than them, but for whatever reason, it's just not connecting. So we also see Ron Simmons defeat, uh, Santino Morella with Maria here. Um, Morella is going to have an in-ring promo on the WWE magazines, 500th anniversary special in which he said that Steve Austin was mentioned 280 times and Mantar was mentioned, but he himself was not. And then a matrix style vignette interrupts. Morella then says Austin has no guts. And if he ever messed with him, Morella would open up a can of the ass whip. Dude, Morella, this ass whip line, it's just all time for me. He's so funny. So good. It's kind of like that miracle whip. It's fantastic. But see, which I was corrected, you know, like when I've talked about Yokozuna and, and liking turkey ass with mayonnaise and I, and I said, yeah, I said, get you can't get you a jar of miracle whip. And I was very quickly corrected and told Man, you don't eat Miracle Whip with man. I mean, you don't eat Miracle Whip with turkey ass. Got to be Hellman's. Sorry, my bad. Hellman's was the brand of choice, huh? Yeah. Okay. Got to be real mayonnaise, not not Miracle Whip. Miracle Whip is salad dressing. I prefer Miracle Whip on the tuna fish. Whenever I think of Miracle Whip, I think of a Kanye West lyric: "Mayonnaise colored bins, call it Miracle Whip." Although you can't talk about Kanye anymore. Uh, we get whittled down to the final two of the 2007 diva search, uh, Brooke Gilbertson and Eve Torres, uh, Brooke disappears after finishing as a runner up, whatever happened to her. I have no idea what you even just said. <laughs> let, me, let me explain something to you. Every one of them diva searches that would come through. Yeah. I would, I would distance myself as far as I possibly could. I would close my eyes <laughs> when, whenever their segment was on. Yeah. I, uh, I'd run from that. I mean, I don't know. So this to I, be I true. couldn't even tell you. I, I couldn't, I, I don't even think I could name a winner. I think Brooke don't is name now, a winner to me. Cause I'm not going to listen. La, 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 but no, I think Brooke's a clinical psychologist now. Great. Good for her. That's what I said. All right. Sean's going to lay out Orton with a super kick again to close the show. We're trying to hammer that. We want Sean to face Randy Orton at cyber Sunday. And then on the go home SmackDown, we got JBL conducting a, uh, an in-ring interview with the undertaker regarding the upcoming bout with Batista. Uh, and then he's going to have a vignette encouraging fans to vote for him as the guest referee for the match, not for Austin or Foley. And he's got a couple of guys distributing a vote for JBL t-shirt to the crowd. And moments later, JBL would force Cole and the ring announcer, Justin Roberts, who JBL called Lillian Roberts to put the shirts on. And after Taker appeared, JBL said he would make sure Taker won the title as long as he was the guest referee and then told Taker to put the shirt on when Jake, when Taker refuses, JBL reminds him he'd beaten him before and more than once because he's a wrestling God. 
So of course, Taker hits him with the uh, choke slam. Batista appears, hits the spear on Taker. Nice little way to close the show with Taker sitting up and locking eyes with Batista. It's a hard sell here. And Cyber Sunday 07 draws 194,000 buys, which is the second lowest of the year. 122 of those thousand buys are domestic. It's the lowest domestic buy of 2007. No Mercy, which was just three weeks earlier, did 271,000 total buys. 171,000 of those were domestic. Was this idea of fans are going to vote? Therefore, we don't really have matches to promote the way we would in a traditional format. I mean, that just feels like a better idea on paper, but it just affects the number of buys. Is that right? I I think so. I think that, you know, people don't know what you're going to get. Right. Don't know what I'm buying. Right. So I think that that that's a, the lesson learned from that. Well, I'll tell you what, we always know what we're getting with chili sleep and that's a brand new great night of sleep. Each and every week I'm using a chilly sleep and I'm feeling better than ever. I wake up, not feeling tired. Can you even imagine that prior to chilly sleep? I didn't have dreams. I would toss and turn. I'd fuss and fight with the pillows. I'd get up and pee at night. I'd have an early afternoon crash and take a little nap at the office. Not anymore. Chilly sleep, which is now called sleep. Me make the coldest and most comfortable sleep systems available. They create the environment that meets the body's natural need for lower core temperatures, promoting deeper, more restorative sleep. Sleep me makes the Uller. That's the one I've got the cube and the doc pro sleep system. All of them are water-based temperature controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide you your ideal sleep temperature. These mattress pads, keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep, cold sleep. These sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. They also launched the brand new Doc Pro sleep system. It has two times more cold power than the other models. It's whisper quiet and has a tubeless mattress pad design that allows for five times more cooling contact. I call this thing almost like a, a smart thermostat for your bed. My wife likes her side a little warmer than mine. I like my side a little cooler than hers. She even has hers automated. That's right. There's a sleep.me app where you can schedule your bed to warm up, cool off, whatever you like. For instance, my wife wants to climb into a warm bed, but she doesn't want to get all hot and sweaty while she sleeps. So it cools her down so she can sleep great, but then it starts to warm her up to wake her up. She automates it at her ideal temperature. It's been a game changer for my family. You would love it too. Head over right now to sleep.me forward slash Russell to learn more and save 25% off the purchase of any new doc pro cube or Uller sleep system. This offer is available exclusively for something to wrestle with listeners and only for a limited time. That's sleep S L E E P dot me M E slash wrestle to take advantage of our exclusive discounts and wake up refreshed every day. Sleep dot me forward slash wrestle. So here we go, man. I can't believe it, but we're here cyber Sunday, 2007. As a reminder, we got a 122,000 domestic buys. 194 worldwide the year prior, we had 228,000 worldwide. Um, we're here at the Verizon center in Washington, DC. It's nearly a full house. There's like 14,000 fans there. There's one dark match. It's Jesse and Festus beating deuce and domino in the dark match. Boy, tell me some good Jesse and Festus stories. (laughs) 
There aren't any good Jesse and Festus stories. I mean, what a character. Boy, howdy. Isn't it amazing that Festus all these years later is making a living on TV every single week. I think you take one look at that gimmick and you got to think, well, this ain't going to make it, but he did. How about that? Yeah, but then again, there was that. Well, there was Oh boy. Howdy. You bust his balls about that every now and again. No, I try to forget it. I bet he does. There's certain things that you just want to be able to forget. Okay. Hmm. You got to get hot about it. I didn't book it. I'm about half hot. Uh, He should be at you. You know what? Well, a lot of people should be. Well, they are. They just don't tell you about it. They will one day though. I'm sure. So the first match on the show is Ray Mysterio beating, uh, fit Finley in a stretcher match in nine minutes and 41 seconds. Here were the voting results. Stretcher got 40% of the vote. 36% of the vote went for the no DQ. And here's what I would have voted for. Unfortunately, only 21% of us did shillelagh on a pole. What's your favorite shillelagh on a pole match? Well, by God, there was this one time in Aberdeen Yeah, and the shillelagh fell off. Oh shit. So then they just said that you've got to be able to, uh, crawl underneath the other sops side of the ring to get to the shillelagh on the floor. Did you say they quickly announced it in the middle of the match? Ladies and gentlemen, the governing body has just ruled this a shillelagh on the floor match. Wow. Shit will happen sometimes. And then there's always that Chris Candido and, uh, 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 Brian Lee ladder match with the, the check hitting him in the head. But anyway, I'm sorry. I digress. Uh, Meltzer would say the TV never pushed one over the other. It was funny because they kept the shillelagh on the pole and work spots climbing it anyway. <laughs> he got to, there's a, I mean, Look, anything on a pole. You have to. It kind of works. Mysterio gets the shillelagh. Finley crotches him on the top rope, causing him to drop it. Finley used it on Mysterio's knee. Finally, uh, Finley also used the uh, stretcher as a weapon. Uh, Mysterio hits the uh, 619, knocking Finley onto the stretcher, then does a lucha libre flip dive, landing as a senton on Finley onto the stretcher. He was supposed to roll past it, rolling past the line. Unfortunately, as he was rolling, the stretcher got tangled up on some cords. Mysterio was pissed and even swore loudly. So you knew they blew the finish. They did a quick spot where Finley took a back bump on the stretcher and Mysterio wheeled him out two and three quarter stars. I like that. You took the gimmicks and made them all work here. Um, what'd you think? Well, well, look. For those folks that were disappointed that the Shillelagh on a pole wasn't chosen. Yeah, we still got something. You still got something, man. Uh, so it's a way of just, you know, pleasing some of all of the people most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And besides, fuck these fans. They don't know what they want. No, I never fuck these fans. I no. was just kidding. I bust the balls. That's be- mean. Oh, man. How frustrated is Ray when the cables get in the way? It does mess the finish up, but it is live TV. I know he's so not. Therefore, su- it was meant to happen by God because it's live TV. I know he's not supposed to curse, but he's clearly frustrated. Their camera's right there and picks it up. Does he get in trouble for something like that, or does everybody understand? It's pay per view. It was an accident. Shit's happened. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, shit's understandable, you know. Then we see Matt Hardy backstage all depressed. His head looks like hell, uh, although he was heavily made up to look as bad as possible. Uh, he actually had one long cut stitched up, but other than that, his face looked normal. On TV, they made his face look like somebody had smashed the right side with a baseball bat since they wanted to push the idea that they couldn't let him wrestle and how he originally looked didn't visually fit the bill. The funny thing was the WWE website showed a video of him from earlier in the day before the makeup. His cut was six inches and he said he needed 16 stitches to cut it uh, or to close it. Rather a source close to Hardy told us it was actually 35 stitches, but 19 were taken out by that point, And there's only 16 left. Hardy posted on his MySpace account that he was planning on wrestling if he could and told people to please vote for a wrestling match. After all, a worked MMA or boxing match wouldn't be pretty. And Dr. Ferdinand Rios examined him when he got to DC and told Vince, he felt the risk of the stitches breaking was high enough that he should be kept out of the ring for a few more days. So they made an impromptu match where MVP would defend the U S title against either the great Kali, Mark Henry or Kane which was a clear MVP versus Kane match and gave people I, for the record. I voted for Kali. Of course you did. Uh, do you remember what the original plans were for this match? Were you bummed? You didn't get to do this with Matt and MVP. Well, you know, shit just kind of happens sometimes. So <laughs> it, it, you, you got to go with it. And the, the other nice thing about it is by having the cyber Sunday step, if you will, whole concept is it makes it a little bit more palatable and that the audience gets to choose the opponent. So let's talk about the next match here. And we got CM Punk pinning the Miz to retain the ECW title. Miz got 39%. John Morrison got 33% and old big daddy V got 28%. The live fans didn't like it though. According to Dave Meltzer, they were dead for the match when they weren't being brutal. There was a loud, you can't wrestle chant, which was directed at Miz more than the match. How, how does he know who's directed at? All right. There was a botched cross body out of the corner. There was also a loud Y2J chant. The match wasn't bad and the crowd just made it seem worse than it was. Punk did a climb up the ropes. Like you'd do a superplex, but instead did a hip toss. And there were a series of reversals until a go to sleep star and three quarters. Uh, when it comes to following television, they had pushed big daddy V as far superior to both the Miz and John Morrison, but he finished third in a split race. In fact, Miz winning the voting was the night's biggest upset. There could have been the psychology at work where fans wanted punk to retain and maybe Miz was the least likely to beat him. It is interesting that they go a totally different direction. Seemingly in the way you guys would, would like them to be steered. But that's not really what I want to talk about today. I know you're not there. I know you don't care. Yada, yada, yada. But boy, CM Punk is all over the news these days. Um, would you be surprised to see CM Punk be done with wrestling? Do you think that he might one day have an interest in returning in wrestling? Do you think he's still a viable draw or personality or any CM Punk feelings in 2022 you can share with us? I think you read my mind before you even asked the question which was you don't watch and you don't care. Ding, ding, ding. All right. Well, we'll keep going. I guess. Thanks for giving me all that. Um, William Regal announces that, uh, the WWE title match voting, and there's going to be two losers facing off. Michaels is still staring a hole through Kennedy while this is going on. It's 59% for Sean 31% for Hardy 
and 10% for Kennedy. Hardy didn't seem happy about this. And he must have known at that point he was losing no matter what, but now he's losing to Kennedy. Still, it's a non-title match with the IC champ. Maybe that result makes the most sense. So Mr. Kennedy is going to pin Jeff Hardy in nine minutes and five seconds of what Meltzer calls a basic decent match. He says Hardy's now bigger than Kennedy, which is funny because Hardy's holdup has always been that he didn't have main event size and Kennedy is viewed as having it. Of course, Kennedy's big claim to being a main eventer is his awesome promo ability. Hardy did a few cool moves like a plancha, a hurricane run off the top rope and a whisper in the wind. The finish saw him miss a low drop kick to Kennedy land on his head and get pinned. Nobody believed that was the finish. And boy, this is just the story of 2007, isn't it? It's the Ken Kennedy show. Um, Jeff Hardy losing in nine minutes on pay-per-view here. What can you tell us about this one? Well, I think, you know, at this point it was, you know, Kennedy was new and Kennedy that there was an awful lot of, of hope for Ken just thinking that he would be able to break through and be that guy and had some awesome opportunity to do that. I don't know that, you know, it was, I don't know that it was ever fulfilled all that opportunity, but I think that, you know, at that time when you're looking at Jeff who had been there for a long time and Ken who was new and kind of on the rise, um, it's, I think that you could go either way with it. Uh, I've always, always been a huge fan of Jeff Hardy, even from the days of, of him lying about his age to be a, <laughs> uh, enhancement talent. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they made their own gear and, and just, there was always something special about Jeff, no matter, no matter what, man, that's just, he just, he carried himself with swagger. So, uh, I think he could have gone either way with it, but yeah, you know, Kennedy was a new guy. We were looking for something out of Ken. Next up, Kane's going to beat MVP in six minutes and 38 seconds. So MVP retains the U S strap. Kane gets 67% of the vote. Colleen gets 24% of the vote. Mark Henry gets 9% and Meltzer would say he was surprised. It wasn't more one-sided, but the crowd's just not into it at all. MVP works on Kane's knees. Kane comes back and works on MVP's ribs. Kane threw knees and punches to the ribs and MVP rolled out of the ring and the ref counted to 10. Once again, a weak finish. And the way Michael Cole tried to sell it was that MVP could have gotten back in the ring, but he took the, the 10 count to keep the title. So far, is this a good show to you? No, it stunk. Yes. It pretty much stunk. I mean, it was, it was not a good show. Um, and I, I think that speaks just speaks to the point of, of while concept is cool and you like to get that instant gratification and you have a, a real life test market out there that, um, doesn't always end the way that you're looking for it to. No, it doesn't. So Shawn Michaels is going to be up next. He's going to beat Randy Orton in 15 minutes and 53 seconds, but it's by DQ. So Orton retains, this is actually a pretty good match here. Uh, Meltzer gave it three stars. Um, at one point we do start to see him set up the, the sweet chin music. Orton gives him a low blow that gets the DQ. The crowd is chanting Y2J at the finish. The crowd hated yet another weak finish. 
Orton goes to do the running kick that they've sold all the knockouts and concussions a few minutes, a few months ago. And it was sold that if Orton hit it, Michaels would be back on the shelf because in storyline, it was a uh, post concussion syndrome and not bad knees as to why he was out. But Michaels beats him to the punch, hits that sweet chin music and lays Orton out. But damn dude, all these fuck finishes in a row. It's just not good. No, it's not. And, and again, that goes back to, you know, not being able to plan out your opponents and plan out your show in a way that you are, you know, positive as to what the flow of the show is going to be. Was Vince upset that fans were chanting Y2J here? Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. There's no reason to be. It's just, they're into something. So right. <laughs> at least, you know, at least they're in. They're into it and they're happy and waiting for something. Right. So Meltzer would say the surprise of the night was the triple H Umaga match of the three picks street fight got 57% of the vote, 26% voted for the cage match and 17% voted for first blood. Meltzer would say they had not pushed one match above the other. The street fight certainly made for the best match, but he expected a cage match. Were you surprised that the cage match didn't win? It does feel like. That's the more established quote unquote gimmick match, right? I actually expected a cage match. I thought that the, you know, when you look at those, what, what is, what's the one that's going to stand out is being most different. Yeah. And to me, that was cage. Well, I'm glad it was a street fight. Uh, Meltzer kind of dug it too. He gave it three and three quarter stars. They go 17 minutes and 21 seconds, but the crowd live here actually booze, not heavily, but enough to where you could hear it. They wanted a cage match, but it is a good brawl. Meltzer would say the spot of the match was where Imaga ran from the SmackDown table, jumped onto the raw table, and then leafed off the raw table to splash triple H through the ECW table. Of course, Meltzer would say they were lucky that that second table didn't break with a big guy jumping on it like that. Triple H pulls out the sledgehammer. Imaga blocks it, lays triple H out. Imaga goes for the Samoan spike, but triple H ducks hits Imaga with the sledgehammer. Kicks him in the stomach. You know, the rest pedigree one, two, three dude, Umaga. When you look at all the talent here from Oh seven, is he the guy that just stands out the most that like, damn it. I wish we had more time with that guy. What a talent oh, he was God. just a natural, an absolute natural. Do you see any parallels in, in a guy like, uh, Jacob Fatu, who I know is having a good time with MLW and. I don't remember if he was there when you worked briefly with MLW, but Jacob Fatu kind of reminds me of Umaga a little bit. Could you see that? Um, you know, I, I, I looked at Eki and he was just so unique. Yeah. So I hadn't seen enough Jacob to know one way or no, one way or another, but to me, Umaga was always just so unique. Throughout the show, there's a women's Halloween costume contest with fans voting during the show. Uh, Meltzer would say most were cute costumes, but they had Victoria and Kenny Dykstra dress up like Mr. Fuji and Yokozuna where Victoria wore a sumo suit. At one point during the show, Jim Ross said it was the worst Halloween costume contest he'd ever seen in his entire life. Lawler argued with him over it. Michael Cole defends it saying it was fun. Fans voted for Mickey James over Kelly Kelly as the highest point getters. Oh, sassafras. Uh, on SmackDown the past few weeks, they've been pushing a storyline that Batista had never pinned the undertaker. And by doing so 
We gave him a clean win to build a rematch and undertaker was the more popular of the two, but Batista was booed very little. And of course, who would you expect? Steve Austin has voted for the special guest referee in this match. He wins by a landslide. It's no surprise. I, I voted for Jr. in the write-in vote. Uh, Meltzer would say they gave people more Austin physicality than they had in a long time with an in-ring segment where he laid out both JBL and Mick Foley with stunners. However, during the match, he was a non-entity. He got up and down fine and did a good job as a referee, but they didn't even work one spot into the match where they teased the confrontation. Perhaps with two baby faces, they didn't want to risk the fans turning on Batista. And certainly they're not going to turn on the undertaker in the end, Batista wins the world title uh, or retains the world title rather pinning the undertaker in 17 minutes and 22 seconds. Uh, it's a great match to end the show. According to Meltzer, he gave it four stars. They didn't boo Batista until he went for the Batista bomb with the idea that they thought he could actually win. And they didn't want that. The undertaker used a last ride out of the corner. And there's a big pop for Batista's kick out because people thought that was the finish. And after the undertaker had kicked out of every one of Batista's moves, he finally got the pin after a Batista bomb. And they pushed that Batista had finally proven he could beat the undertaker. It was a good match. It was a clean pinfall finish, but it still made you want to see a rematch and overall a great match to end the show. Uh, the, listen, it's been a kind of a eh, pay-per-view, but Umaga and triple H brought it. And in this main event, this delivered, did it not? It, it really did. And, and again, that was the match you knew. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like you had the two matches that you knew in the end, you have finishes that could work in any, in any way that they voted. And you knew that they were going to go, that they were going to vote for Austin in the end. That's easy. And you got to see Steve do some physicality beforehand. Let me tell you what else is easy. I'm talking about my friends over at reserve bar. It is the online source of premium and luxury spirits, wine, and champagne. Visit reservebar.com to create the perfect home bar or have the ideal gift delivered. It's also where you'll find the best and new and hard to find bottles, including those celebrity spirits you've been wanting to try. Trust me. No one does spirits gifting better than reserve bar. Have a bottle custom engraved with a name, a date or logo. And man, you've created the perfect gift. You can even build your dream home bar at reserve bar. You select the spirits, the wine and bubbly you love. They've also got the glassware and mixing tools you need. Reserve bar offers the cocktail lounge, your online source for inspiring new cocktail recipes and stories behind your favorite brands. And by the way, the ready to mix cocktails or ready to drink cocktails are better than ever. Reserve bar has them. That's the hot spend uh, or the hot trend rather in spirits. These days, these ready to drink cocktails. Have you tried them yet? Well, they taste better than ever. And reserve bar has a huge collection of these boys. These canned cocktails are great for parties when you don't have time to tend the bar. Or maybe you're like me thinking about tailgating season, which is in full effect, especially if you're a Buffalo fan, roll tight. So visit reservebar.com today, use the promo code wrestle, and you'll save $10 off your purchase of $75 or more on spirits, wine, or pre-made cocktails. But only when you use our special offer at reservebar.com with the promo code wrestle that's reservebar.com with the promo code wrestle. This offer expires December 31st, 2022. Seriously. I've used reserve bar. It's a home run. It is the ultimate gift. I was able to find our old pal, Jr. Sassafras, something he couldn't find locally. 
and I got it delivered. You really want to level it up to personalize it, engrave it. That's cool, man. That's reserve bar. Check it out right now. Promo code wrestle. So this is the second to last cyber Sunday, Bruce, uh, at this point, seeing how, you know, the last two matches were pretty doggone good, but the rest of the card was kind of, eh, it's probably not a surprise to you that we sunset this concept. Is it? Yeah, it was, uh, not a great show. Uh, two great matches. Yes. But the show itself was kind of neat. As Pat Patterson would say. Now, how do you spell neat? Neat. I'm just curious. Any eh? Yeah. Okay. I like that you powered through for us today. Next week, we're going to be talking about something. Got cough now? No, we're not done yet. We still got to do some questions, but before we get there, <laughs> there it goes. You do what you want. You're a badass. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Survivor Series 1997. Now, you and I've talked about the Montreal Screwjob before, but we haven't talked about all the news and notes for the rest of the company. We haven't talked about that specific show. And that show, while it has been largely defined by one singular match, it really was a lot more than that. As a reminder, we're going down to Montreal. We got the new age outlaws teaming up with the Godwins to take on the headbangers and the new blackjacks. We got the truth commission taking on the the cycles of apocalypse. We got team Canada, which is the British bulldog, Jim Neidhart, Doug Furness, and Phil LaFon taking on team USA, which is Vader, Goldust, Mark Merrow, and Steve Blackman. We got Kane in there working a singles match with mankind. Then we've got Ken Shamrock teaming with Ahmed Johnson and Hawk and animal to take on the nation of dominations, rock Farouk, comma, and D And then in a singles match for the intercontinental championship, it's stone cold, Steve Austin versus Owen Hart. And then of course that infamous main event match, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels for the world title. We'll talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, all things, 1997 coming into November. But before we do, let's do some questions here for this week. Uh, WWE master wants to know any funny stories from the divas costumes. For example, Victoria as a sumo wrestler. I know you said, I don't want to know anything about the divas. So let's just pivot this question to any fun Halloween costume stories you can share with us in WWE history. Uh, other than me having to wear the damn scream mask for, uh, forever, for all the, the backstage to reveal brother love in Cincinnati one year was, that was a lot of fun. And, and, and midway through, I realized I don't know if it was even midway through as it was uh, after like the first take where I realized anybody can wear this mask yes. until it's time to reveal me. Yes. So, yeah. Um, and that was a rib on you, huh? Yeah, I ribbed myself. Yeah. Good for you. It happens. Uh, DS Owls 2021 says Candace Michelle basically ended her career before this pay-per-view. I think Mike Kyoto has said something along the lines of she was a party girl. And that was, uh, one of the reasons why she was injured. Do you have any insight as to what Candace was like at this time? We haven't spent any time really talking about Candace, Michelle. What do you mean? What she was like as a human being? Yeah. 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 Like here in 07, tell us about Candace, Michelle. She, you know, to me, man, I love Candace. Uh, the highlight of one of the things that we did a few years ago was seeing Candace again, because she's just, uh, kind of what you see is what you get. 
And well, not really, because, you know, she was doing the, the GoDaddy commercials and that's what she was famous for. Uh, just doing that spin and could have been the most uptight, pretentious person in the world. Uh, when in reality, she was like the most giving, sweetest person that you'd really ever want to meet. Uh, pretty down to earth, pretty naive, and just a really, really nice, nice lady. Uh, here's one from CJ Whitmore. If Jim Cornette were to pitch this pay-per-view concept to Vince McMahon, what might that sound like? God damn, I can't do it because I'm a fucking throat and shit. But if you only had, and then the, yes, goddamn people, but you tell them what the fuck they think because they don't know how to think. So you do the thing, and then you add on there, and you say, what the fuck? It's like, if you wonder, what the fuck do you want in your burger? You put goddamn double mayonnaise, extra onion, and fucking triple cheese on there, motherfucker. You understand what I'm saying? I got it. Motherfucker. Uh, GJ, thank you. GJ refill says, are there multiple matches planned for depending on who wins the voting? I would think this would have to be a nightmare for a booker. There's backup. Yeah. You, you have scenarios for every single, every single vote, you know, what if, because we've had those, what if scenarios actually happen? So yeah, you have a plan for every single thing. Um, Umar says, was it ever considered to have Kane win the U S championship as at this point, he has not held a singles title in quite a few years. Um, is he a guy you just didn't think needed it? He didn't need it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I'm sure we considered it. You always think about those things. Uh, definitely considered it, but just didn't really need to do that. Well, what we need to do is encourage everyone to check out adfreeshows.com. You get all these shows early and ad free and tons of bonus content. We just sat down with Dave Milliken on the one year anniversary of the passing of Reggie Parks to talk about one of his more iconic designs, the WCW world title that Ron Simmons made famous. We also had Eric Bischoff sit down with Raven to try to attempt to squash their near two decade beef. Uh, we had Jake, the snake Roberts do a watch along for Halloween havoc, 1992 his sort of swan song for WCW and the spin the wheel, make the deal match with sting. You got to ask your questions there. And we also rolled out a brand new concept called the book where myself and, uh, David Manning sat down to break down the booking sheets from Fritz von Eric. And we're going to have a brand new series rolling out called making the town where we're sort of breaking down these iconic wrestling venues over the years. It's all happening at adfreeshows.com. Throw us a like and a subscribe. If you think we've earned it here on the program, we'd like to have your five-star rating. Uh, you can also introduce a new listener to the program. Maybe if you dig what we're doing and want to tell the wrestling fan in your life, send them over to youtube.com forward slash something to wrestle. Don't forget to hit the like and subscribe and turn on notifications button. You can participate in our polls and keep up with what's next and ask questions about these upcoming topics on Twitter at Pritchard show. He is at Bruce Pritchard, but don't expect to see a tweet, but I'm pretty active. I, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad Thompson. And we'll see you next week right here on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Rock on. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. 
together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? Can you pay me more? Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.